family. We got a big hike planned for us tomorrow. Can we just do some fun indoor activities? Yeah, like uh, drinking. <laughs> Is this still even a trail? Wow. How far down do you think that goes? I don't know. Gives me the creeps. Let's go. Rise and shine, sleepyheads. Where did the kids go? They carry on far. I'm still trying to understand how you let them out of your sight. When we woke up, they were gone. Guys! There you are. No, 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 stop! No! Hey, Ben! Look at me! Whoa, hey! Hey! You good, man? How you been feeling lately? I know what I saw. Can I show you something in the woods? I don't think that's them out there anymore. I promise. We're better than ever. This is your fault! Get out! What did you do to your mom, Spencer? We want to play a game with you. Ready or not, here we come. We want to play with you now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike. Joining me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you doing? Greetings and salutations, changelings. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How you doing this uh, wonderful January afternoon? <laughs> pretty good. Uh, just recovering from a, a football playoffs party. Uh, I didn't go too hard because school night for the kids and work night for me, but... Uh, the older I get, the less the less threshold it is to say I went hard right at a party. So <laughs> it's kind of half recovery day, but whatever. <laughs> also uh, joining us, it's Don and Ellie. What's up, Don? How are you doing? Yeah, what's going on? Always great to be here. All right, cool. Well, uh, we are in the midst of a week where we did not have a theatrical release, or at least not a wide theatrical release, so kind of dug around on VOD, and uh, I think we just went with the ease of access this time, um, and that was uh, There's Something Wrong with the Children that uh, released, I think, early last week. And let's see, it's, not, it's listed as not being rated on IMDb, mm-hmm. and about a 90-minute movie. Horror mystery is what it's billed as. A family takes a weekend trip with long-time friends and their two young children, but they suspect something supernatural when the kids behave strangely after disappearing into the woods overnight. That's uh, a little... That's vaguely okay, I guess, of a synopsis. It's a little incorrect, technically. Yeah, it's, I, I didn't want to correct it only because like, I'm like, well, that might be getting into the actual plot. So right, right. hold off on that for now. But uh, we will begin with our general thoughts. Venom, there's something wrong with the children. Tell us about it. 
Well, my friends, as Mike described the synopsis, most of us, you know, genre fans know what we're up against. We're up against the Changeling uh, movie, as we've, you know, as is uh, pointed out by my greeting. Some of the more recent ones include Hole in the Ground and um, Here Comes the Devil from 2012 out of Mexico. Um, so for this movie, and, and before I say anything about the movie, I do want to say I do enjoy this subgenre. I've always been a fan of changeling stories. I like crazy kids or kids that have been replaced by other things, whatever you want to go with. Unfortunately, I can't say too many good things about this movie. This movie was just dull as shit for me. Um, it basically takes a very long time to get to it. First of all, let's talk about the technical aspects. I, I think this movie is ugly as shit. Like, the cinematography is not that good. You can tell it was shot on digital video. There's very little correction done to the film. It just doesn't really look great. I don't know if that was a purposeful choice on the director, but I didn't really like it that much. The sound design in this movie is pretty bad. The score is fucking awful. I hate this score so much. This movie relied on its score for building tension, and that's so fucking weak. A great director can build tension without relying on the soundtrack. The soundtrack should be an additive, something that enhances it. But if you're uh, solely relying on your score to build tension, that's an absolute fail. And there was multiple scenes in this movie where there's not really, or at least as a viewer watching the scene, you're not really tense, but then suddenly tense music starts playing and it's like, what's going on? You think something's about to happen. Nothing actually happens <laughs> or very little happens in this film. Um, this might be a little bit of a spoiler, but I'm going to say it anyway, because the whole reason that people watch these reviews is to kind of get a gauge for whether they're interested in this thing. And one of the reasons that I didn't like this movie is because there are no on-screen kills. There is literally no one dies on screen in this movie. Everyone dies off screen. And sometimes, and most of the time, we don't even get to see the aftermath. Like, there's one situation where we actually get to see the aftermath. And then everybody else in the movie is attacked and disappears, and that's it. We never see him again. They kind of, the filmmakers hinted or alluded at the potential, um, the true form of these changelings um, through through light and shadow. We don't actually get to see them in their true form, but, you know, they play around with potentially what they might be with light and shadow. And uh, it, it just felt weak to me. It just felt like this movie was incomplete. I think the two most precise words I can uh, use to describe this movie is underwhelming and forgettable. Literally five minutes after this movie was over, I forgot half of it. Like, th and this is why I take notes because every now and again, you get a movie like this where you're so uninterested in the characters, uh, uninterested in the story that, you know, you almost don't care. And that's kind of where I ended up. E even during the third act, which does have some decent tension, there's a pretty decent little chase sequence in there. But ultimately, I didn't give a rat's ass about anyone in this movie. So the stakes aren't really very high. Nobody, in my opinion, nobody's really all that likable in this movie. And then the performances. Um, I like the most of the adult performances. I mean, they were they were fine. I, I'm not going to say that they were great or exceptional or anything. But these fucking kids, I did not like the performances of these kids. And with a really great changeling story, it tends to hinge on the performance of the kids. Um, going back to the two movies I mentioned earlier, Here Comes the Devil and Hole in the Ground, the kids in both of those movies were stellar, amazing performances. 
that I praised when we reviewed them. Or, well, we reviewed one of them. The other one I reviewed on a podcast under the stairs. But yeah, this movie ultimately is just kind of dull, kind of doesn't go anywhere. And then the ending is just one of the most unsatisfying fuck the audience endings I've ever seen. I just, yeah, there's really not a lot I can praise about this movie in its storytelling and its filmmaking and just about anything. I, I just found this to be so underwhelming. And as soon as we're done talking about it today, I will forget this entire movie. So I never have to talk about it again. So yeah, unfortunately as big a fan of changeling stories as I am, I cannot recommend there's something wrong with the children. That's it for my general. All right. I'll kick it over to Don. What were your thoughts on the movie? Uh, I'm pretty close, although I, I, I think I'm probably just a tick or two higher than Venom is. Um, I, I do have a lot of the same issues that he does, though. This is one of the most underwhelming and rather uninspired uh, buildups I've seen. Uh, it just takes forever. Um, very little actual, you know, like you said, there's no deaths on screen. So it it's very hard to actually get a gauge on what the terror actually is supposed to be. Uh, some of the, some of the stuff just that, you know, goes nowhere. It just has very little, you know, impact and it, yeah, not having any kind of on screen activity kind of just like deflates everything and just makes it feel very underwhelming. I, I do like the, the setup. I, I do think the, the idea for this thing could have worked. Um, I, I do think that there's a, a workable idea here. Uh, I don't know where he came from with the kids. I, I actually kind of liked them. And I, I do disagree on the film looking kind of bland. I, it wasn't that bad to me. Maybe, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of found that the, you know, for the wood setting kind of creepy and, you know, it, it worked for me, but yeah, a lot of the same setup here, a lot of the same uh, flaws that he had, I, I, I do as well. Um, it, it it doesn't really even explain anything about what's going on. I mean, I, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but what the hell is that pit? I, I mean, the, the pit's un, you know completely unexplained and nobody ever says anything <laughs> about it. So, I, I, I mean, you know, is it... Uh, I, 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 I can't say that's a, a, a spoiler, but... It, yeah, nothing's explained, and it takes a while to get going, but I, I it, it's not completely worthless. It's not as bad as um, he made it sound. Um, I, I do have, uh, I, I do find it a little bit better than him, but I, I do have a lot of the same issues, so I'm, I'm probably a little higher than he is, but I'm kind of in the same boat, in the same, you know, in the same breath, so... Uh, yeah, that, I mean, it's kind of hard to say because I, I kind of do want to, you know, go a little deeper into the spoilers, but, um, for now, let's just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah, I would say for me, I'm probably about where Dawn is on it, which sounds like a little higher than Venom, but not a ton higher. I, I, I think for me, like, I didn't mind the setup, obviously, you know, once, once you get what to the second act, like um, Venom said, it's apparent like kind of what's going on. Although it's kind of short on explanation detail, you just kind of get the general idea. Okay, obviously, uh, you know what's taking place and what's going on with the kids at that point. Um, the problem is, I, I feel like once it gets where it's going, it starts to feel a little phoned in. Like Venom said, a lots of off-screen 
deaths are mostly all off-screen deaths. I think there's like one good attack with a machete that's not an actual death, but just like what happens with it is cool. Uh, but ever like most everything else is just off-screen, and we might get like a little bit of like an aftermath shot, but there's just not much. Um, I I, I did like the use of like the shadows to kind of show like the forms of like, I guess what they're supposed to be now. The problem is it's like, you want that to build to like some type of big shot at the end. Right. And I feel like they were just doing everything they could to avoid having to put like the resources into actually giving us that thing. And it seemed kind of obvious. Um, the end man, like I saw what they were going for at the end, but I'm like, can you just show us it to give us like one last <laughs> something? Can we get some Maybe. closure? <laughs> yeah. Um, like Don said, we didn't get much explanation. I mean, I I can see how like maybe they were just trying to maybe they felt like over explaining would would take away some of like the mis- the mystery or mystique around it. Maybe they thought, okay, people have seen this type of thing before, so they just are gonna have to give charity to say, okay, we we basically understand what happened, but still, I would have liked a little more or some type of reason why um, what happened. Like, maybe that specific place, what happened, other than the fact that, like, hey, it's some old ruins. Okay, great. Well, old ruins are in a lot of places. But, <laughs> um, yeah, the characters, I don't know. I, I One thing I, sometimes it's a pet peeve for me, not always, but, but it has to be more well done. I, I felt like we had a lot of uh, just forced manufactured drama between the adult characters that wasn't it wasn't really even necessary like i i can see the argument that like oh the reason we did that is because then you know it makes sense why they so easily turn against each other like as the movie goes on but i'm like that you that could have happened anyway or even just had their kind of like infighting drama be a little more subtle and not so on the nose because it's like it, it seemed pretty obvious okay the fact that they're all arguing and fighting now i gee i wonder what what's gonna happen when shit hits the fan and they you know finger pointing starts going on um but you know it it was all right like i like i said i i i probably am closer to dawn like it was okay i I didn't think it was bad it was just kind of forgettable and uh we're what that was probably just about the end of january all right we got one more for january but i'll probably forget it by the middle of february so that's <laughs> the kind of, and this was bloom house it. man yeah, a bloom house kind of under the radar release um and yeah i the score was weird like it is i don't to me i don't know if it was like the score itself or just it didn't seem very good not it wasn't, I don't know, I didn't find the, the music of the score to be horrible, but it just sounded like it was mixed horrible, like low-grade quality or right. something. I don't yeah. know what the hell happened there. Um, you know, maybe this is just one of those Bloomhouse releases where it's like, hey, just kind of toss it to VOD, put it out there, you know, and we're not going to do anything to kind of spruce it up at all. Just kind of plain. Um, so, yeah, that's my, that's my general thought. It's kind of middle-of-the-road movie. Yeah. Um, 
maybe if this was an actual Blumhouse production, I might have liked it a little bit better, only because I like the gloss that Blumhouse puts on their movies. But this was an MGM Blumhouse co-production. I think MGM had more to do with this, and I, I'm not even sure if they had anything to do with the making of the movie. It almost feels like the, it's just like a pickup, like they just picked it up like at a at a, a festival or something, you know, for really cheap or whatever. I, it just, yeah, everything about this movie felt cheap to me. The score, the the just the effects, the story. Um, going back to Mike's point about the dull adults, there are two long ass stories told in this movie that you would think would add something to the story, but they add literally fucking nothing. One story is about a four-way that one of the couples had previously, and it just goes on and on way longer than it needs to. And then the other story is the other couple talking about whether or not they want kids. And ultimately, both conversations, in my opinion, are both way too long and have very little bearing on the movie. You know, like like maybe if the parents would have been the one that got replaced – they could have played with the four-way thing where maybe they hit on the other couple like in a real creepy fucked up way or something. I don't know. But ultimately, those stories just felt like wasted time. And this movie is only 90 minutes. If this movie was an hour 40, I'd have said, cut those two scenes out. There's just no point to them. But the movie's only about 90 minutes anyway. So you cut those two scenes out. The movie's about an hour and 15 minutes. So I can understand why they're in there. But just, yeah. And then with the kids, with the kids, I just felt like they were so hammy. Like everything they did was over the top. Nothing that they did was subtle. And that is the point of a changeling story is that it's subtle. You see the changes uh, occur subtly, slowly throughout the course of the movie. In this movie, the kids disappear, reappear, and then instantly they're just fucking psychotic. I mean, you know, they're not going around chopping people up necessarily, though <laughs> I think I would have liked that movie a little bit better. But it's just the sly little smiles that they would throw to the adults. Every time they did it, I fucking cringed. I'm like, that is just terrible. You're such a ham. Both of these kids. I'm sorry. I just, I found both of these kids to be insufferable. I did not enjoy their performances. And it, it almost, I don't want to say that one factor ruined the movie for me, but, you know. Um, and then I think I can speak to the reason why I'm lower on this movie than Mike and Don. And that might be because I genuinely love changeling stories this is like one of my favorite subgenres of horror whenever one of these comes out i always jump on it right away and this is just to me this is like one of the worst ones i've seen in years one of the worst new ones i've seen in well over 10 years just very not riveting uncompelling and as we've already said countless times just underwhelming and un and forgettable like it, there's just I'm, I'm sorry but there's just nothing special about this film at all nothing is done expertly nothing is done masterfully everything is done okay and some of the things that are done are just straight bad like i said i do i do not like this score i do not like some of these performances i do not like the the implications of what might be happening but then we see nothing the teases of what the changelings true forms might be and then we see nothing and again it could be the budget of the film maybe they can't afford to show the changeling in all its glory and its true form the way that we did get and hole in the ground. Um, I will say that I disagree with Mike and Don both about um, wishing the movie had more backstory. Changeling stories in general are very mysterious. There, there's not really a whole lot of explanation to them. 
I think Hole in the Ground had the most explanation as to what some of those creatures down there actually were. Whereas Here Comes the Devil has the exact same amount of explanation as this movie does. Yet that movie is just so much more compelling, so much darker, so much more of a fun ride from beginning to end. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I, I kind of take this subgenre, you know, kind of close to heart. And I was excited to watch this movie. I really was. Once, you know, you, you read the synopsis and you see what it's about instantly i'm intrigued i'm ready to go and then the whole movie i just kind of sat there with my arms crossed like you know when is it when is something going to happen when is it going to get good and then finally in the third act when stuff starts happening like i said there is a pretty good chase sequence in the third act you know once the shit hits the fan and the identity of the kids is you know pretty much divulged to everyone else in the movie there's a, there's a pretty cool tense chase sequence throughout, but it's just not enough to save the movie for me. And then the ending, like I said, the ending of this movie is just the final slap in the face to the viewer. Like, ha, you thought you were getting an ending? Bitch, slap. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm going to have very little positive things to say about this movie. I mean, you know, kudos to the filmmakers. They got a movie made. Hopefully, you know, their skills improve as they go along. It's not, you know, it's not like I never want to watch another movie from this director. Not at all. Hopefully she'll get a little bit better. But right now she's not where I would like to, you know, she's not with the changeling story, at least. It's not where I want to be, you know, even for like a low budget one that doesn't have a lot of effects. There's still so much that you can do with it. Not that it was a changeling story, but think back to Mike Flanagan's first movie, Absentia. The way that that one is put together, you know, with um, just the mystery of it, even though that one's not a changeling story, I would rather watch that 10 times out of 10 than this movie. So, yeah, I, I, the movie's going to have some fans. I actually did watch some positive reviews for the movie. Astoundingly, there are people out there that are pretty high on the film. So good for them, you know. I, I always say the same thing. I'm jealous. I wish I liked the movie as much as some of these other people did, but I just unfortunately could not suspend disbelief enough to get into this story. So, yeah, yeah just a little bit of a fail for me, that's all. Uh, I, I don't want to say it's a terrible movie. I don't even want to say it's a bad movie. It's just, like I said, underwhelming, forgettable. They cut a lot of corners. They implied a lot and then didn't pay off a lot. So, yeah, it's just kind of there. You know, I mean, if I had to rate it, it'd probably get like a five out of 10 or something. It's so middle of the road um, and leaning towards the bad side of the road a little bit. But, you know, that's just one man's opinion. Anything else you guys want to get into before we get into spoilers? Mm, I'm kind of struggling to think here. Michael? Uh, pretty much all the adults in this were annoying as hell. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. There, none of them. I mean. I don't think any of the adult, the adults were likable. I know um, the black girl was kind of, I think they intended that character to be the likable one in this bunch. But even the way that she abandoned her man, as soon as he started having some issues that I guess he has a history with, it just, like, there's no love there. How do you just abandon someone who needs you at their, you know, at the, in their biggest moment of need? So even she bothered me a little bit. And the forest ranger at the end, shit, I mean, we see her for all of 30 seconds, so it's not really a character really to speak of, but, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, she showed up for one reason and one reason only. Yeah, we still <laughs> don't even is... fucking get to see it. <laughs> we, we, you know, we, we see, like, the, like, a part of what happens to her, but, again, no aftermath, no actual moment of death scene, no nothing, so. Yeah, that could have been, like, the one big one, too. 
Exactly, I'm, because it's, it's a character that we're not invested in. It could have been that guilty pleasure kill where it's just a complete stranger, you know, and, and just yeah. fucking tear apart or something. And Because nope. it gives us an opportunity to say, like, what are whatever has happened, now we get to see, like, maybe the full potential of the capabilities. And then, no, it still kind of goes with a rather tame mm-hmm. uh, death. <laughs> And what's funny, too, is that, I mean, this movie is not rated. If it were rated, it would absolutely be rated R, but it would only be for language. I mean, the, the, the language, fuck this, fuck that, fuck you. Like, the, the language in this movie is over the top, yet there's very little gore. I, I will I will agree with Don that I did like the Friday the 13th Part 2 machete attack. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought of instantly. I'm like, oh, it's Jason's shoulder. God damn it. Um, I, you know, so that brought a smile to my face, but... Yeah, very little of the rest of the movie truly did. So, yeah, what can I say? Yeah, I, I think the ma- I think the machete sequence was like the best actual thing. Kinda, the yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it kind of was. I mean, I, you know, Don is right. There was some good tension throughout. There was some good tension early when they first find the labyrinth or whatever it is, the structure that they go into when they first find the pit. There's like a nice sense of mystery there. But like I said, just none of it pays off throughout the movie. Like any goodwill that the first act um, built up with his audience, it, it just kind of left it dangling the rest of the movie. Like it was pointless to me. And I hate to say that because you guys know how much I love horror. I, I hate to say that I didn't even need to watch this movie. And that's basically what I'm saying with this one. Like my life was not improved in any way, shape or form by watching this film. I could have watched it. <laughs> I could have watched, oh man, there's so much. I, I could have watched football. Yes, I fucking skipped an NFL playoff game to watch this movie yesterday. And that's even worse because the, the second game actually turned out to be pretty good yesterday. So, ah, what am I, you know, just more reason to dislike this movie for me. It made me miss football. <laughs> All right, folks, this is your final spoiler warning. Let's go ahead and go into this. What little walkthrough I actually have written down here, because I barely took any notes with this movie. I just found it so dull, I barely took anything. See, I will... you can't give us a walkthrough of the playoff game because you skipped it. <laughs> exactly. I can give you a final score, but that's it. I'm just, I'm so pissed off that I chose to do that because I wasn't sure because I was tired. So I wasn't sure how late I was going to be up. So I figured... Um, let me watch the movie. You know, I, I, I assumed the Cowboys were going to get spanked and then it, it was actually a competitive game, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little upset. Even more reason to get upset with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So our movie opens up with just <laughs> a, a boring ass title card. Just the title of the movie just um, splashed up on the screen. Um, you know, we're introduced to the main characters, Ellie and Ben. They are a childless couple that are hanging out with uh, Thomas and Margaret. They they are a married couple who have two kids. They're, they're two kids, Lucy and Spencer. Um, the dad is actually um, Spanish or Mexican. He, he is Spanish speaking and he speaks to the kids in Spanish a lot throughout the movie. So I, I did kind of enjoy that. Uh, and the kids do. I mean, the kids look vaguely mexican they almost look spanish to me though more spanish than mexican whereas the dad looked you know carlos his, his the real uh, the, the actor's name is carlos santos so he might be mexican for all i know but anyway we're introduced to the couple we're introduced to the kids they're out camping and then we get the four-way story where margaret tells ellie the story of when her and her husband had a four-way with another couple but that four-way kind of turned into a three-way because 
Uh, the guy from the other couple just kind of wanted to be a voyeur and just sit in the corner and watch while the other three kind of went at it. Blah, 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 blah. Just a long, meaningless fucking story that has no bearing on the movie, but there it is. And um, after that, we all, uh, all six of our campers end up going on a hike, just looking around. Of course, they end up finding this mysterious structure. Kind of looks like an old bunker, um, potentially an old warehouse. I don't know, something along those lines. Uh, they enter the building begrudgingly, obviously. Um, ben is the only one who really wants to go in here, uh, the, 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 the childless man. But, and everybody else kind of seems uninterested. But they all follow him, and they go all go in there. Eventually, they find a pit. L- looks like it could have been an old well, but it's you know completely dried up, just this pit there. And for some reason, the kids become enamored with the pit. Like, they actually stand at the edge of the pit and staring in, start staring in there. And they talk about how beautiful it is. And it's calling to them. (laughs) Exactly. And for the rest of the movie, they call this uh, the place that shines, which I thought was kind of cool. I'm like, okay, I kind of dig that. Um, You know, being a gigantic fan of The Shining and just, you know, being um, kind of bringing that up just kind of brings a smile to my face. It's funny. As soon as they got the green glowing stuff, it made me instantly think of the Tommy knockers. If you remember that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Only seen it once and I will never watch it again, but I do know what you're talking about. Yep. All right. So after they go to this place, um, the kids are obviously from this point on the rest of the movie, they're acting weird, not homicidal or anything by any stretch, but just odd. Like, you know, they're not listening you know, maybe they're not eating as much as they should be, blah, 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 blah. Um, Margaret and Ellie have the idea of having the kids stay with Ellie and Ben that night so that Margaret and Thomas can have a night alone. Obviously, parents with two young kids maybe don't have a lot of alone time, so they do that for them. They also mention how since the four-way, the, the marriage has kind of been, you know, kind of up and down and uh, they haven't actually been with each other since then. So it, it ends up being a good idea because the next morning it's very obvious that the, that the, that Ben, excuse me, that Thomas and Margaret, you know, had relations and are, you know, very touchy feely again. Unfortunately that morning, the kids disappear. Uh, when Ben and Ellie wake up in the morning, they go to the kids' room to wake them up uh, to serve them breakfast, but they are gone completely. They're not in the house. Margaret and Thomas are still at their cabin across the driveway, and, you, you know, they're still in bed in their, you know, post-coitus glow, I would I would assume. And um, so they decide, uh, should I say, Ben and Ellie decide not to tell Margaret and Thomas right away that their kids are missing, that they don't know where their kids are. They decide to start going and looking for it. And uh, Ben remembers that the kids were just obsessed with that pit for some reason. Um, They were speaking in Spanish throughout the evening, uh, talking about, you know, es brillante, which is, you know, it's brilliant uh, or beautiful, um, you know, a, a light usually. And, you know, so obviously these kids are obsessed with this. Ben remembers it the next morning when they're missing. He decides to walk, uh, to go through the trail to get back to that bunker. And when he gets there, he finds the kids. And they're standing right where they were the day before, right at the edge of the pit, looking down, talking about how brilliant it is. And, uh, you know, the green glow is glowing. And then Ben tries to approach them to pull them away from the pit so they don't accidentally fall in. Uh, the kids kind of turn around and just say, I forget what they say specifically, but they say something in Spanish. 
And then they just turn around and they both simultaneously jump into the pit. Um, Ben obviously witnesses this. He runs over to the edge of the pit. He looks down and he claims to see their bodies. They never actually show it to us, the audience, but he claims that he looked down into the pit and he saw their bodies and he was freaking out. Uh, Ellie ends up calling him on on his cell phone, but he doesn't tell Ellie what he saw. He's just so traumatized, like he's shaking. He's, you know, kind of cowering in the corner. He doesn't know what the hell he's going to say to these parents that, yeah, yeah, your two young kids committed suicide in a pit. But there it is. So Ben starts walking back towards the cabins. And when Ben arrives at the cabin, lo and behold, Lucy and Spencer are back at their parents' cabin. Uh, Apparently, They had gone back to the cabin at some point in the morning. So the question is, did Ben see some kind of a hallucination or is this actually the kids fucking with them and maybe they can teleport or whatever? Maybe they went straight from the pit back to their parents' house. Who the fuck knows? We get no explanation whatsoever. It doesn't even really imply anything. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that can be chalked up to with such a small cast. There's not real opportunity for like the sequence to happen again to get because sometimes that that'll happen in movies where like whoever it happens to first it's like a really kind of uh vague mystery and then later on the movie when it starts happening to other people they'll like kind of reveal more of the process but you don't really get that in this movie nope unfortunately um you know the, the kids like i said they reappear at their parents house and they appear completely normal like, they're not in the days that they were when Ben found them at the pit, standing at the edge of the pit. They're they're literally just acting like little kids. Everything is fine, blah, blah, blah. But basically, instantly, we start getting signs that these kids are not themselves. Right away, Ben walks up to Ellie and says, uh, or not to Ellie, to Lucy, little Lucy, and says, what happened this morning? Where did you guys go? And she's like, she looks at him and smiles her, you know, sly little grin, basically implying that, you know what happened. You saw us. And and they're just fucking with Ben the entire rest of the movie. At one point, they steal Ben's bottle of lithium. Yes, he has. It, it is established earlier in the film that Ben does have some kind of mental health issue. And he is on lithium to kind of calm himself down. They don't say specifically what he has. Lithium does treat multiple mental health issues. So... Yeah, you, you choose which one Ben has. But um, what we see is uh, we we see Spencer, the little boy, uh, grab the bottle of lithium pills that Ben has been taking. And what we see is that uh, the little girl, Lucy, pours her father a, a beer. She pulls out a beer. Uh, she opens it and she pours it into a cup. And just as she's handing the beer to, to her dad, Uh, Ben looks over to Spencer and Spencer has his bottle of lithium and he shakes it in front of him and it's empty. There's no pills inside of it. Instantly he realizes, holy shit, they put lithium in the, in the dad's beer. They're trying to drug him. And so he of course does the perceivably crazy thing of jumping up and slapping the beer out of the dad's hand. He doesn't understand why, of course, Ben starts to try to say, oh, I think your kids are, you know, poisoning you. He ends up grabbing the bottle of lithium back from Spencer and suddenly the bottle's full again. It's full of pills again, just like it was earlier that morning when Ben took one. So, so obviously this kid's, you know, there's some supernatural shit going on. These kids obviously have some abilities and they're completely fucking with Ben, which 
kind of goes against the changeling story a little bit. Usually with a changeling story, the changeling wants to return or excuse me, wants to replace the child so that it can then live its life up on the surface in as the child, like not, not to be a, you know, a monster killer going around, you know, slashing people up. Literally, they just want to live as a human child up on the surface. Um, but with this one, these kids just turn psychotic fairly quickly. Um, Oh, let's see. Uh, so for the rest of the movie at this point, it's basically cat and mouse. Uh, ben is the only one who realizes that the two kids are not who they claim to be. This is when we start seeing some shadows at night and what the shadows are. And we start hearing like the, the chirping of like crickets and grasshoppers. You know, I'm sure you all know what that sounds like. And when we see one of the kids walking down the hall, we see the shadow of a giant praying mantis or grasshopper type insect. Um, just a bit, you know, like child size, literally like the size of a, you know, 10, 12 year old child. But then as soon as they turn the corner, uh, they instantly are themselves again. So I don't know if it's just their shadow that shows their true form or if that's them actually changing back to their child form right before they go around the corner. I don't know. Again, nothing is explained. You just kind of kind of take it with a grain of salt as you're going through it. Um, and then just kind of, like I said, the shit hits the fan. Um, ben tries to explain to uh, to Ellie what what he saw. Obviously, Eddie, Ellie doesn't believe him. You know, if, if the kids are right here, how could they have jumped into the well? They're literally right fucking here and they're acting normal, at least according to Ellie. Um, let's see. Uh, Uh, another kind of uh, theme that I noticed about this movie, and no offense to Mike because I know you're a parent, but my God, adults are easily ma manipulated by their children. Uh, there's a scene in this movie where where um, Spencer ends up hitting Ben with a uh, like a fireplace shovel, you know, to, to shovel wood and coal or whatever into the fireplace. He basically bashes him into the side with it. And then Ben tries to pull the shovel away from the kid. They get into a little bit of a struggle. At one point, Ben pulls the thing away, but it kind of snaps back towards the kid and hits him in the face. Uh, might, might have hit him in the throat, actually, now that I think about it. And literally, the kid just dies. He literally just keels over and stops breathing. Now, obviously, as a, as, a, as a viewer, you're wondering, what the fuck? Like, what is the end game here? This is fucking insane. Like, are they just fucking with Ben just for the point of making him crazy? Because then at that moment, as soon as um, Spencer is perceivably dead, in comes Ellie. Ellie is instantly like, what did you do? What did you do? And then Spencer's mother, Margaret, comes in. She's, of course, screaming, uh, bending down uh, next to her child, trying to wake him up, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, Thomas walks in and instantly, you know, is like, what the fuck happened? What happened to my son? Uh, Lucy then just points towards Ben, doesn't actually say anything. She just points towards Ben. Ben instantly is like, whoa, whoa, I, I didn't do this. There's no way I could have killed that child, blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, Ben understands there's no way that child's going to die from the little hit that he gave it from that shovel. But the kid's out dead. Spencer is just not breathing on the ground dead. Of course, they all accuse Ben uh, because of Ben's history of both because of his history of mental health issues and then plus some of the things that have been happening all morning since they got back from the pit has is making look Ben like he's gone off the deep end again. He's basically just lost his shit again. 
and is now going around killing children. Does it make sense to me? This this is where I start to lose my like of Ellie because Ellie, I mean, it's almost instant. Instantly, she's she's accusing him of shit. She's saying, oh, you know, what's happening? You're, you're relapsing, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, what the fuck kind of support system is that? Uh, you guys know how much I hate shitty spouses in horror movies. Well, Ellie is just another fucking example of a shitty spouse in a horror movie. Usually it's the men towards the women that are the shitty spouse, but this time it's the wife. So, yeah, well, not wife, because uh, I don't think they were married yet. I think they were engaged because they were just talking about having kids earlier on. So anyway, yeah, at this point, Ben runs away. He goes back to the pit. Um, he looks into the pit and again, he thinks that he sees, uh, Lucy and Spencer's body down there. Again, we don't see it as the audience, but we see Ben's reaction when he's there. He ends up sneaking back to the house because at this point, um, Thomas has already called the police. Um, but because of the isolated area that they're in, it's going to take a few hours for the cops to get there. So he, you know, like I said, he first runs off to the pit, then he comes back. He ends up, um, kind of speaking to Ellie alone and trying to explain to, excuse me, I got the hiccups guys. Sorry. He basically tries to uh, explain to Ellie everything that he saw. He's being a hundred percent honest. This is what I saw. This is what I think is happening. And Ellie obviously doesn't believe him instantly. She's like, Oh, oh have you been taking your meds? Blah, blah, blah. You know, just the, the stupid shitty spouse diatribe all over again. And instantly I'm just I'm just disgusted with Ellie. He actually is able to convince Ellie to go back to the labyrinth with him, the bunker, whatever you want to call it. But this time when they go back to the pit and they look down there, there are no bodies. This time the camera actually shows it to us. We actually see the bottom of the pit. There is nothing down there. So, of course, Ellie thinks that Ben has just gone off the deep end. He's lost his mental health all over again and blah, blah, blah. She ends up leaving him there alone where he pretty much ends up staying for like the next 20 or so minutes of the film. Like there's a good chunk of the movie. We don't even see Ben. So what ends up happening is we go back to the camp or yeah, we go back to where the cabins are and you know, shit starts happening. Shit is hitting the fan. First uh, we find, or Ellie finds Margaret has been attacked in her house or in her cabin, I should say. Um, she's covered in some kind of wounds, some kind of either stab wounds or scratch wounds or something. She's bleeding out pretty badly. Um, she talks about And then she's the one who actually tells Ellie that it was her son, that it was Spencer. She actually points towards him just before she dies, right? You know, basically right before her death rattle, she goes ahead and points out that it was uh, Spencer that did this to her. And then instantly Ellie now, now suddenly Ellie believes everything that Ben was saying. Now she's running around the house trying to avoid the kids because, you know, uh, she doesn't know where any of the other adults are. Margaret is dead on the ground. Ben is obviously still back at the pit, just lamenting his luck, blah, blah, blah. And Carl or Thomas, I, I have no idea where Thomas is during this part. He's just not around for some reason. Uh, probably he's probably like on the main road, maybe waiting for the, the park ranger to show up or something. Who knows? Well, no. Remember when when they when they leave, when they try to throw him out of the cabin, when he comes back, they, when, when Ellie comes back, they try to have the kids try to take her into the forest and then they end up taking the dad out instead. Right, right, right. Yeah. 
So the the idea is that, you know, he's been attacked out in the woods, I think. Exactly. This is what, yeah, another wonderful off-screen attack. We, we think it's a kill at this point, but obviously it's a horror movie. So if you don't see him die, you don't know for sure. Um, at one point, Ellie is then chased around the, the, the place by um, Spencer and Lucy. This was the pretty good chase sequence that we get in the third act. It actually, it's pretty cool because um, Lucy and Spencer are communicating with their changeling language, a kind of insect kind of chirping and whirring sound that grasshoppers do. That's how they're communicating, even when they're in human form. So I, I did kind of find that kind of cool. And whenever they would have Ellie pinned in like a hiding spot, it always felt, you know, it, it, the tension was definitely there, music or not. Even though, like I said, I'm not a big fan of the score at all. It's a little too heavy handed for me. Everything in this movie is heavy handed. And that's probably one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of it. There's no subtlety anywhere in this film. And that's too bad because changeling stories need subtlety. Um, you know, the whole point of the the mystery of what's going on, it should be unraveled slowly and and actually give us some answers periodically, too. So um, if you remember the Changeling segment from A Christmas Horror Story, like I, I, I kind of like that, that one, too. That's one where we actually see the Changeling's true form uh, towards the end of the segment there. So, you know, uh, another example that I like much more than this movie. So... Um, after Ellie is able to um, call Thomas's phone and it's ringing somewhere out in the woods and the kids end up leaving her alone, she tries to get out. Uh, she tries to start the truck. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't really start. She, at one point, she is, oh, right, she gets out of the truck and suddenly Ben appears. But Ben doesn't look doesn't like he's not acting like himself he's he's at, he's speaking very cryptically he's got a weird smile on his face despite everything that's happened today he's got an odd little smile on his face and then he starts to speak about oh ellie you know we, we have to go back we have to you know look at the beautiful light it, you know when you really look at it it's going to change you <laughs> literally um, and then at this point, Ben does attack Ellie. This is where we get the great Friday the 13th Part 2 machete attack where she grabs a machete and she buries it right into his shoulder. Literally the same shoulder that Jason gets the machete in in Friday the 13th Part 2. So I thought that was a nice little homage. And like Mike said, potentially one of the best scenes in the movie, sadly. Um, ben kind of falls over, almost acting like he's dead. But, you know, it, it's a horror movie. So I'm sure you know where that's going. Uh, she ends up looking, trying to look for Carlos some more, trying to figure out what's going on. Did anybody else get Lovecraftian kind of vibes from this movie at points? Like when they showed the green light coming out of the, uh, the pit, I kind of got Lovecraftian vibes. And of course you guys know me, I'm a Lovecraft guy. So that, you know, that was, yeah, uh, yeah it could be. I can buy yeah. that. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it yeah. was a direction that the film could have gone in if it chose to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, well, let's see. Uh, yeah, Friday Part 2, <laughs> chop. Um, basically, at this point, um, Ben comes back to, he's he's up on his feet. He actually pulls the machete out of his shoulder, which looked pretty gnarly, actually. Probably the best effect in the whole fucking movie. And he goes to attack uh, Ellie with the machete. Carlos, I keep calling him Carlos, that's the actor's name. Thomas ends up showing up at the last minute and tackling Ben, and he basically tells Ellie, you know, take my truck and just get out of here. Just just go, go, you know, the, the whole yelling, you know, go, run, whatever. She gets in the car, 
and yeah, decides to basically just run. And we, we are left with Ben and Thomas fighting. But again, we don't see how that ends either. The, she just ends up leaving. We see her drive out to the main road. As soon as she gets onto the main road, she pulls over, a la the end of the descent, where she's just in the car, just kind of catching her breath. And then suddenly we see uh, Ben, Lucy, and Spencer, all three of them. I, I did forget to mention that at one point, Ben, or wait, not Ben, Ellie, pushes uh the kids the um the changelings into the pit thinking that might do it obviously just bad thinking on ellie's part but yeah the kids obviously are back for this final scene ben lucy and spencer basically they walk out into the road they stand in the middle of the road basically blocking ellie's path they hold hands and they're just standing there and then we get the oh-so-boring ending of her accelerating the truck, going right at them, and then literally just before the moment of impact, black screen, movie's fucking over. And that's it. Ah, <laughs> this, this fucking movie. Yes. It, this movie found so many ways to frustrate me. And, and you know, I, I, again, I probably didn't go over every single scene. And then it ends on blue balls, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so unfortunately, that's our movie. Not the worst thing I've ever seen by any stretch of the imagination. Again, I'm being hard on it because of how much I love this subgenre. Don and Mike seem to be a little bit warmer on it than I am. I I wouldn't say that it's just not a recommend. Like, if you like Changeling stories, hey, be a completionist and watch this one as well. If you just got nothing better to watch and you got $3.99 that you want to spend, I guess go ahead and rent this. But this movie is only available on VOD. I would not recommend paying for it. I, w- I would honestly say wait for it to show up on a streaming service. It may be available on Epics because it's the beginning of it said it's an Epics original. Oh, right. So it may be available if you have that channel. There you go. So if you're one of the 11 people in this country who has the Epics app, you will be able to watch this, potentially be able to watch this movie. Um, Don is right. Yeah, the Epics logo does appear at the beginning of the film. That's it, folks. That is There's Something Wrong with the Children. And unfortunately, there's something wrong with this movie as well. And what can I say? I think we've all kind of said what we have to say about it. Closing comments, gentlemen? I've got nothing much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, when no one has anything to say at the end of the show, you know it's a great fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just middle of the road. Not bad, but not good. Yeah. Uh, characters are kind of weak, and I don't know. I just feel like once you kind of figure out what's happening, there's not a lot to it. And there's just... I, I wish the third act just would have been a little better, and then I think it, the yeah. movie would have gone up a lot. It's yeah. funny too because I I kind of I say that I wish the third act was a little bit more over the top, but then my biggest complaint about these kids' performances is that they were too over the top. Um, I, I want the violence and the gore and the action to be over the top, but the but the performances of the kids of the changelings themselves, they should be subtle. They should be you know very subtle, like where, where you're kind of questioning throughout the movie: Are they really? themselves or are they something different in in this movie there's no mystery at all boom they disappear they reappear and they're fucking psychotic so it's just i mean only towards ben at the beginning as i mentioned during the walkthrough but still it's like literally they just flipped the switch they were normal kids and then boom they're fucking crazy praying mantises i don't know what the fuck (laughs) but yeah the lack of subtlety definitely uh hurts this one for me 
la- the lack of subtlety, excuse me. Yeah, other than the green twinkle in their eyes, that's about <laughs> as much as we get. <laughs> ah. I, d- I right, did like that yeah. Thomas spoke to his children in Spanish, though. That that was pretty realistic because that, that was me growing up. You know, I spoke I spoke English outside of the house, but then in the house, my parents spoke Spanish. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to wrap up our discussion on this movie. There's something wrong with the children. But let's find out uh, where else we can be heard before the next episode. So, Venom, what do you have out? All right. Um, Creature Comforts episode 14 is still our latest episode where we looked at Troll from Finland. Our next episode, episode 15, I'm hoping will be recorded before the end of this month, though the, the farther we go, the more it looks like it'll be early February. For that episode, we'll be looking at 1956's The Monster That Challenged the World. This will be a first-time watch for me, so I'm very excited about this one, so check that out. Uh, Crystal Lake Gift Shop, uh, episode number three, recorded this past Friday. And once I'm done editing that boy, that'll be available for you. Look for it late this week or early next week. It's it's a quick show. It shouldn't take me too long to edit. But yeah, once again, we had our returning guest, Miss Lacey Liu, who was with us for episode two, returned for episode three, where we looked at episode three of the Friday the 13th series, which was entitled Cupid's Quiver. So check that out when it's available. Uh, main show, still waiting to schedule episode 50, once, uh, you know, our big anniversary episode. Episode 49 is still our latest episode. And and then last week's episode of Fresh Cuts, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be pimping that for a couple of weeks. Since we were a little bit late with our top 10 this year, definitely go ahead and check that out. It's a long episode, but I think it's well worth it. You get a great variety of films um, you know, spoken about, and then and, and then you get to hear Don and I basically blow one movie for about 20 minutes, and I'm sure you all know what movie that is. So there you go. Um, that's about all from me, folks. All right. Uh, what do you got, Don? Yeah. Um, I, the only thing that I can uh, really talk about is uh, the latest Horror Countdown, which uh, was released yesterday. Uh, on that episode, I went ahead and I looked at the 1990s. So we did a uh, full-on decade uh, overview, which not necessarily going to be um, the ones that everybody's going to expect um, us to look at. We kind of, uh, well, at least I did. I, I chose different ones than uh, what you would expect. But, yeah, it was a fun time. Uh, we had a, um, a friend of mine who did a um, who does another horror podcast like us. So that was a, a really fun time. And, uh, yeah, just uh, other than that, I'm just waiting around on uh, stuff to get uh, settled and scheduled. So uh, that's about all I've got. All right. Well, what you've got is more than I've got. So (laughs) for me, it's just basically what Venom mentioned that the shows I happen to be on as well. Um, So, yeah, just find me there. Uh, Top 10 show. Yeah, it's. It was a long one, but that's usually how they tend to go. It is up on YouTube as well. So if that's your preferred method of listening, check out the uh, No More Room in Hell YouTube channel, which houses most of the stuff, or most of our shows, I think, at this point. And um, what else was I going to say about that? Oh, yeah, and feel free to leave comments if uh, you felt we got stuff right, wrong, somewhere in between, and... 
maybe whose lists you find uh, most aligned with yours and whose <laughs> you don't. <laughs> tell us uh, why we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, tell us why we're wrong. But uh, yeah, other than that, uh, Infinity Pools coming out this Friday, right? I think. Is that this Friday? I thought I thought Fear came out this Friday. Or are they both coming out this Friday? You might be right. I know Fear comes out this Friday because um, I was just looking at it. It's the it's labeled January twenty seventh. There it is. Yeah. Oh, you're right. There's Infinity Pool January twenty seventh. So we got two horror movies in the theaters this weekend. What the fuck? Is, is <laughs> but Fear I think we all know release? which one we're doing. What's that? Yes, it's playing at all the AMC's. Oh, interesting. Uh, what is Fear? I've never heard of it. I have no idea. I just saw the poster. It has like a skull on it. You you know me. I don't watch trailers, but um, I did see that that was opening uh, this Friday. But I, I think Infinity Pool is the obvious choice for us. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited to go see Infinity Pool. And even though Mia Goth is in it, I'll deal with it. I feel like I'm a, a man on an island, who, the only guy in the world that doesn't like Mia Goth. No, oh, you're man. not. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. No, you're not. I don't hate her. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't hate her. I have no reason to hate her. I just think that everybody's sucking her dick, just calling her just an amazing horror actress, and she should have gotten an Oscar nomination for Pearl. It's like, what the fuck movies are you watching, people? (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing wrong with her. I just haven't really liked any horror film that she's been in yet that much. X, I was, you know, it almost made my top ten, but not quite. Pearl, we all know I wasn't a fan of. The Suspiria remake, we all know I wasn't a fan of. I think she did at least a couple more that I can't even think of. So that tells you how much of an impression they left. So, yeah, don't get it twisted. I don't hate Mia Goth. I just don't understand all the praise. I think Jenna Ortega is five times the actress Mia Goth is, but that's just me. <laughs> well, Infinity Pool will give you a another chance to let her win you over maybe and i'm always <laughs> it seems like she's pretty it. prominent yeah it seems like she has I, I i feel the same way about her that i felt about chloe grace moretz when she was kind of doing Uh-oh. all those horror remakes <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean i just everybody was praising her and i was just like I, I don't see it i like other than kick-ass i don't think i like anything chloe grace moretz was in so i don't know so now it's the mia goth uh, era of horror so I'm waiting for that movie that's going to turn me around. You know, I'm open to it. Don't think that I'm closed-minded. If she has a performance in Infinity Pool that blows me away, I'll be the first one to tell you that I now understand why everybody loves her. But as of right now, I don't see it. So fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, uh, yeah, so look forward to uh, Infinity Pool for our next episode. Probably one of the biggest releases so far this year right like as far as anticipation and name value in it i mean it's a it's a A-list, uh, big, production yeah. valid yeah, yeah I, I, think the, I think the horror hardcores were more interested in infinity pool whereas the more mainstream ones were more interested in megan because megan had that's a way fair. bigger marketing push like I, you couldn't escape a megan trailer <laughs> I, they were fucking everywhere <laughs> <laughs> that's true Um, All right, cool. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will catch you next week. So let's say bye to our listeners. Later. Watch your fucking children. Yeah, don't jump into pits. Glowing green pits.